Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Our thanks again uh, to the great Peter King for joining us in the huddle. Uh, Hey, you know what time it is? It's time for you to buy or sell the home of your dreams. And the Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yes, the housing market is extremely hectic right now. Prices are going through the roofs. But it's still a great time to buy or sell the home of your dreams. Uh, and to do so, you'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done. And they've got you covered. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know all the transactions. And they know they can get, they can uh, cover your back uh, on this. Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas, and it's been their home for more than 11 years. They've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives for more than a decade. They're also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. So whether you're selling or buying your home, please call the Realty One Group at 888-461-0101 and take a step closer to buying the home of your dreams. Or if you're selling and then going to buy another home of your dreams, they got you covered with that too. And with that, we're going to go out to the Realty One Group listener line because CJ is on the line. How you doing, CJ? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Doing really good. Thank you very much. So, listen, I, I was just on this Kaepernick situation, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I know he's been removed for five-plus years. I just feel like talent-wise, just raw talent, and, and the fact that this young man has been staying in shape and working out and, and trying his best to get back into the league, He's just far more of an upgrade than, say, a Nick Mullins or a Stidham. That's, that's, that's just the only reason I can see why the Raiders are even taking a look at him. Just not, not from a, a, a Davis standpoint, meaning, you know, make a polarizing move uh, in regards to what it, would, what it would look like across the league, you know, for somebody who's been banned and uh, for what he stood for. That's a Raider move. That's an Al Davis move for sure. But just from a talent standpoint, I don't think these boys are doing it for show. I don't think they're doing it for press. And I think they're taking into consideration that, yeah, there's going to be some media uh, attention for the first couple months or, or, or whatever the case may be. But when it comes down to it, we get this boy in game shape where, where he can handle the speed of the game. If Derek Carr goes down injured, I feel more comfortable with Kaepernick versus the other two. That's that's just how I'm going to put it. I appreciate that, CJ. And, you know, theoretically, uh, and if we're talking about what we the last we saw of Colin Kaepernick, I think that's an easy answer. I think that he does, um, you know, uh, provide an upgrade over, over the backup quarterbacks that are currently on the roster. The issue is, and the challenge is going to be, is that that – player played five and what six months ago five years six months ago or so so we can't assume that 
that's the level that he's still at. And I think that's what the Raiders are, are, are going to have to work through. They got a chance to look at him yesterday on the football field. Uh, they um, everything that's been explained to me was a, it was a good workout, an impressive workout. Uh, now the question becomes for the Raiders, uh, is he, does he become an option that improves this football team? Because that's what they're in the business of doing, trying to cover every single base on this roster. And do they believe Kellen Kaepernick offers an upgrade over the backup quarterbacks that they currently have. If the answer is yes, it would not surprise me whatsoever if Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels signed Colin Kaepernick. If they feel like the answer is no, then they're not. And uh, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think any decision not to sign Colin Kaepernick will have anything to do other than what the Raiders saw on the field yesterday and what they can project moving forward with Colin Kaepernick. It's not going to have anything to do with anything else, and and that's as it should be. So we'll see. We'll see what their assessment was. We'll see what their belief is, and we'll see if they feel like Colin Kaepernick is a fit for this Raider team and makes them a better football team overall. Uh, back out to the Realty One Group listener line, Houston in L.A. How you doing, Houston? Hey, what's going on, Vinny? How you doing, brother? I'm doing my good. How are you? Good, man. Hey, first, I want to apologize because I remember a long time ago, man, you and I were talking, and I was going hard for the guy, Peter King. That ain't the guy I'm talking about, man. He's cool. <laughs> yes, I hear you, man. He is very All right, cool. But, uh, right, 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 right. No, it, it was another troll, but I mean, I didn't want to mention him. He's not even important. But all good, all good. The, the, yeah, the, the the main point, the main focus that that you know, I kind of want to say at this point is that um, when it when it comes to to Colin, like Kaepernick and everything, I'm kind of like uh, make a long story short. When I was a lot younger, my uh, sister, I was over 21, but my sister and I, we were in Vegas, and I love Vegas. I go to Vegas all the time, but like these. Uh, kind of guard slash uh, 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 rent-a-cop guys that are there, They, I was looking for my sister. So the way I was looking for her, I was kind of going through the uh, slot machines. I knew she was playing slots. And so, you know, the guy kind of grabbed me, and then he was like, hey, well, what, what are you doing? See some ID. And I was like, what do you, what do you see ID for? He was like, oh, because there's uh, people that are slot roaming. I was like, slot roaming? I don't even know what that is. So anyway, to make a long story short, they put me in this room. They 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 ran my ID. They did all kind of stuff, man. Because I was hot at that point. Because I I got a pocket, you know, with some money in it, and and that's the last thing I was thinking about doing. But my my point is kind of like it kind of goes with the territory. And I know there there there's still a whole bunch of cool people in Vegas. Because like I said, I know it's a lot of it is just a transfer from L.A. You know, a lot of L.A. people are out there. But like um. When they deal with the Colin Kaepernick issue, it seems a lot easier to deal with it in L.A. and Oakland as opposed to what I'm seeing in Vegas because you got, like, some strong people. But, you know, they're, they're coming around, too. So I'm not just start talking about everybody, but you got some people that are really in their feelings and not really just kicking back and, and, and unwinding and opening up their mind to realize the reason why Colin did what he did, you know, originally because of the police brutality and everything. So... I'm I'm just hoping these cats around the LV area, you know, kind of kind of get get with it a little bit better as far as at least even understanding. Because I mean, I'm not trying to just punk anybody in to listen to what I'm saying either. I'm just saying just listen with an open mind and understand, and then it'll be a lot easier to accept. And then if, if the dude is good, 
come on. If he's whack, dude, just, you know, stay where you at, man. It's just that simple. I hear you, man. Thank you for the call, uh, Houston in L.A. And, uh, yeah, that's I, I, that's what I try to ask people to do in any situation. Just look at things with an open mind. And, and you know, part of having an open mind is also being open to the possibility that maybe you misunderstood. Maybe you misread something. Maybe you read something wrong into something. And I did feel like people uh, established a position immediately when they saw Colin Kaepernick uh, taking a knee during the national anthem and wrongly assuming that he was doing it out of hatred toward the flag, toward the military, toward the police. And that's just not the case. It is being open to the possibility that, you know what, there's 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 bad people in all vocations in life. And sometimes when those bad people especially in positions that are that that you are expecting them to protect people actually harm people and that there's no accountability for it legally or otherwise it's okay to point that out as a wrong that is happening especially when it happens disproportionately to a certain segment of our population and when not enough was being not enough light was being shed on that issue and not enough people were paying attention to that issue, no matter what was said, uh, no matter how many times people tried to uh, bring up the subject and it fell on deaf ears, sometimes you have to take things to another level. And that level was, you know what, I'm going to take this moment that a lot of people care about and a lot of people take very seriously, and I'm going to do something that draws attention to me. And then people will ask me why I'm doing it, and I'm going to say, this is why, because I am protesting peacefully, and it's my right to do that, something that's not getting enough attention. And it wasn't hatred toward the police or hatred toward the military or anything like that. It was to literally say, hey, why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? Because this, this, and this is happening in my community and in our communities, and nothing's being done about it. And I want people to ask why I'm doing this so I can put that out there so people start paying attention to that. And instead of paying attention to that, people were paying attention more, some people, to, oh, my gosh, he's taking the knee and wrongly assuming that he was doing that out of hatred toward uh, one of the pillars of our society, which is the police or the military or the American flag. And you can admit that you're wrong, that, you know what, I actually thought it was this, but it's actually about that, and I get that. But there's so many people that are so um, stubborn in their beliefs and in their assumptions that they can't even be – they can't talk about the possibility that, you know what, maybe you just misread it. And I know that uh, this isn't the case because trust me when I say I got so many emails when I would write about this subject back in 2017, back in 2016 as a columnist with the Los Angeles Daily News. And I took the. I looked into what Colin Kaepernick was doing, heard his answers to it, coupled that up with what was really going on in some of our communities here in America, and said, "Okay, I get it. I understand it." I also talked to players that on teams that I covered, white players, black players, whatever the case might be. And I, as I as I pointed out earlier this week, so many black players told me. I have family members in the military. I have family members that are in the police department. I love them and respect them and love the job that they do and understand that the job that they do, the importance of it, and I respect it. 
But that doesn't mean I have to sit here and say that everybody's perfect in that job. It's not the good ones that I have a problem with. I love and respect the good ones. It's that aren't good. And if we can't admit that there might be negatives in whatever job we're talking about, and sometimes in jobs of importance with weapons that are doing harm to people, if we can't admit that, come on, man, come on. Just think about it a little bit, or at least be open-minded to saying, okay, he's trying to point out, and they were trying to point out, bad things that were happening to innocent people perpetrated by people in the police department or the police department. That's it. And not being held accountable for it. Somebody needed to shed some light on that, more light on that. And understanding people understood that. Less understanding people didn't and never budged from it. All that being said, um, I think what the decision is going to come down to for the Raiders and Colin Kaepernick is going to be whether or not the Raiders believe uh, Colin Kaepernick at this point and this stage of his life can help the team and can help improve the team, uh, that being uh, the key thing. And whatever, um, and I'm getting emails, I'm looking at one right now, uh, whatever repercussions that might come that might come as a result of that from uh, certain people uh, in our uh, society uh, that will have a problem with that. I mean, that's just going to, you know, I I don't want to say nobody cares about your feelings because I do. But that's not going to be the reason that the Raiders don't sign somebody. And if you choose to use that signing to turn the TV off and not ever watch, um, you know, an NFL football game again, well, I mean, that's your decision. And I kind of think it's sort of – Cutting off your nose to spite your face. I mean, just cutting, cutting off your nose. Yeah, to, <laughs> you got it right. Nothing I did. To correct. Nothing I did. To correct. It, it sounded it sounded uh, incorrect in my uh, headphone. Um, then 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 so be it. And uh, I, I I think that is ludicrous to me. Um, just be a little bit more open minded and understanding of it. And I've talked to military people. I've talked to military people that came from both sides of this. But a lot of military people t- uh, t- that I've talked to said, you know, I went to Vietnam. And fought for his very right to do exactly what he's doing. That's what separates us in America from other countries. That you can take moments like that to peacefully protest. And it also drove me up a wall and still to this day does when people would complain about, well, it took away my enjoyment of the game. I'm like, it it wasn't happening during a game. What do you mean? It did not affect in any way, shape, or form your ability to watch the football game. It had nothing to do with the action on the field. It was done before the game even started. So how can you sit here and say, well, that that affected, I just want to watch a football game. Did you not watch the football game? Did all of a sudden the football game go, the, the TV screen go blank? Did all the players disappear when you're in the stadium and there goes the football game? No, of course not. The game went on as scheduled and you got a chance to watch it, enjoy it, and uh, hopefully your team won, uh, whatever the case is. So even that argument, to be perfectly honest, is lame. It makes no sense. If you were affected to the point where you could no longer watch the game, that's a decision you made. Colin Kaepernick or anybody that took a knee didn't prevent you from watching the game. That was a choice you made by allowing something that they were doing that had no impact on you whatsoever. Didn't hurt you, didn't take away from anything uh, from you, didn't didn't take the game away, didn't make the TV screen go black, 
didn't make the players disappear, didn't um, you know uh, uh, put a curtain in front of you in the game so that you couldn't see it anymore. None of that happened. You literally were allowed yourself to be affected by something that had no effect on you in, in, in real time or in any kind of real talk. So that's all on you. And I know I get these emails all the time, and it's just I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how many times to explain it, that it wasn't done out of derogatory toward the police or the military or the flag. He loves his country. I love my country. And as Andrew Whitworth said, I want everybody to stand proudly for the national anthem because they feel good about this country, their place in it, and the treatment of this country to people in their, in their specific communities. I want everybody to feel good enough to stand up and be proud of the national anthem. But certain times throughout the course of our history, things have happened where not every one of our brothers and sisters from whatever community we're talking about feels like this country has had their back. And in some cases, this country not only didn't have their back, they, made, they purposely made decisions to make life difficult. That's just the fact of the reality, and the, the fact of the matter. Jamon? I, <laughs> I was just leaning there. You cut me at the wrong time because I had nothing to add to oh, what you were saying. Okay. You're mesmerized by my, uh, by, by my speech. I don't like, you know, people say don't, you can't get political. Everything's political. What are you talking about? Decisions that are made. There's sometimes politics behind it, voting rights and denial of voting and uh, access to land and access to education, which was denied uh, for so long to a segment of our society. Guess what? That was politics. Those are decisions. Those are laws. How do you think laws are made? Politics. In the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajota Radio Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It's hard for anybody to leave there. And I, and I didn't know this on, you know, a while ago, but it's hard for anybody to leave there and, and try to replicate you know, everything that happens there. Um, and it's probably true across the board in all the sports. You know? and, um, and I made the mistake of trying to do too much of that the first time. Um, I think you just got to be able to be yourself. And um, you know, I think we have, a, uh, you know, we have a good thing going in terms of the direction that we've started things in. Um, but there's definitely the football part of it and, and the belief in what, what the belief in how to win or lose and, and some of the strategy and those kind of things, very, very much what I know. That's all I know. But I would say the, the interpersonal interactions each day, um, the flow of the day, um, you know, some of those other things that, you know, that you could choose to copy if you if you wanted to. Um, you know, we have a lot of great people, like I said, and, and so. Being able to just, you know, give them their responsibility. They know what their roles are and let them go do their jobs. Um, I think it's really important for me. It's really important for them to know that I support them and that I'm I'm just here to be a resource and try to help them if I can. And if I can't, then I'm going to learn from them. So um, it's been it's been great in terms of just trying to put that, you know, uh, into motion. I think the players and coaches know, like, you know, it's it's not going to be that way. Um, I'm not Bill, you know, and, and I don't – I can't be. And so I'm not going to try, and um, I just want to try to be myself, and hopefully I can be a good leader for our team. 
That was Raiders coach Josh McDaniels uh, earlier today at the practice facility uh, in Henderson. And when I hear that, I hear a man, person, human being, who's comfortable being himself and confident is more more uh, appropriate word. Confident in himself, confident about himself. And, you know, it, it's if for any of the, um, you know, listeners or audience out there that's, you know, maybe got to their 40s or so uh, at this point or above, I think you understand where he's coming from. You know, um, you know, we 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 all kind of have this bravado about ourselves and, um, you know, try to be as confident and try to try to always, you know, portray that. But if we're being real we don't always feel that. And there's certain points in our life where maybe we feel less than others. And if you backtrack 12 years ago or so, and Josh McDaniels is in his 30s, his early 30s, becomes the head coach of uh, the Denver Broncos after a wildly successful run as an offensive assistant, the offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick, one of the great organizations, one of the great head coaches, one of the most successful franchises, um, coming off a unprecedented type of run of success. And all of a sudden now you're being handed the keys of a team and you're not quite there confidence-wise in yourself, whether you want to admit that or not. What you're going to do is try to emulate somebody that you feel standard, somebody that you feel has all the answers. My good friend Marcellus Wiley always calls this faking it till you make it. Fake it till you make till you make it. And we all do that. Let's face it. We all do that. We all fake it a little bit till we make it. All right. And at that point in his career, and Josh McDaniels didn't even know it. As many of us didn't or don't at various points in our life. When all of a sudden things change and we have more responsibility, uh, we're the boss now, or whatever the case might be. And you're just not there yet in terms of having all the answers, being polished, uh, being so confident in yourself that you're willing to be yourself and not try to be like somebody else. Twelve years later, um, Josh McDaniels, by all measures, understands that now and understands the mistakes that he made in Denver that he might have been making without even knowing that he was making them at the time. It was only until he took a step away from that, took a look back, and said, man, have you ever done that where you kind of look back? Maybe it's uh, you know something that you did in high school or whatever it is, you know, and you thought it was the coolest thing in the world at the time, Devon. And then you think about it, you're like, man, that's kind of embarrassing how I, how I acted or what I did. Have you ever had a moment like that or time in your life? All where- the time. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to go back as far as high school. <laughs> Yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> At that bar. But whatever, whatever it is, you know, and, and, and here's, here's what's so important about that. And I appreciate your, your honesty. I know you're kidding, but I know that there's, there have been moments. There's plenty for me where I look back and cringe. Actors will tell you that all the time. Like, look at some of their young acting roles, and and you're like, oh, my gosh, I was horrible. What's healthy about that is the acknowledgement of it. And just saying, you know, wow, I I, I didn't even realize it at the time. Because when I looked at it at the time, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And now, five, ten years later, I'm like, that's almost embarrassing (laughs) how bad I really was. 
Um, and so it's healthy to be able to look at yourself like that and acknowledge that and then hopefully use the understanding that you have to lead to a better you. And I think Josh McDaniels has I, what I really appreciate so far in, in, in covering him and listening to him and talking to him and um, interacting with him is the acknowledgement of what happened in Denver, what led to the failure of it, and the, the determination to not repeat those mistakes. And just to, you know, if he's going to fail, Damon, or if this is going to fail, because when failure happens, it's a lot of times it has to do with a lot of people, not just yourself. We all know that. But if this whole thing doesn't work out, and I'm not suggesting that it won't, I actually think it has a pretty darn good chance of working out. But if it doesn't, I think, he, you know, it, it won't be because he's trying to be somebody else, you know, and, and if it doesn't work out, and it doesn't work out. You can feel OK about that. You, you don't like it or anything like that. But, you, you know, hey, I gave, it, I gave it the best shot that I could and allowed myself to just be myself. And, and whatever, whatever happens from that point on, I can accept that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, and even the clip that we played coming back out of the break, where he said, you know, not trying to be Bill. Right. And it's funny, I remember JT and I, we were watching the press conference, and he was like, hey, what do you think the over-under is going to be? And I said under 10 minutes, because that this was the first real press conference. You got to do the introductory. Yeah. You know, you got to do that. And then the draft. Thanks every, to everybody in exactly, my life. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah you, the my high school teacher. You. Yes. That, thank you to my third grade. The yeah. college coaches. Yes. You know, everybody's getting the thank yous. And about and, an hour later, yes. So everybody's getting all, you know, it's 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 almost it's almost like a congratulatory parade, right? That introductory press conference, and then we had the press conference after the draft. So it's just like this was the first real press conference. We've got to answer some questions on nobody after was, a practice, exactly. Yeah, answer like how was the team looking, things of that nature. And I was kind of surprised by how forthcoming he was, keeping it real when it comes to yeah, the players were running some laps. There was some sloppiness, right? Where. I do think that that's already him establishing enough to me because, like I said, I thought the press conference was going to go under 10 minutes. We all know the cliche with Belichick on to Cincinnati. Right. That I just didn't expect him to just, like I said, be so honest right. with this press conference today. So that opened my eyes to, like, he's become – he's his own person. Yeah. He's his own man. He's not trying to be a Belichick clone. Now, exactly. And and I think that whatever – wherever that takes the Raiders, it's going to take the Raiders. Um, but it will be on it, – it'll be with him being – and that's all you can ever ask uh, of anybody. Now there will be times during the course of a um, uh, you know practice week when ga- when games. I'm looking at where you're looking at over there. Um, <laughs> when uh, you know you get dialed in. Like I've, I've I've noticed this about coaches. I know that you know you've played sports, so you know when games start getting closer or when you're in the thick of the preparation. It's not going to be like that all the time, is what I'm saying. You know, and I respect that. I understand that. We used to have a joke about Sean McVay, one of the most affable coaches, uh, intelligent guys that would, you know, talk your ear off. We used to have to, our, the reporters that covered the Rams, we used to have to break up uh, who, you got the first 10 minutes, you got the next 10 minutes, and then you got the last 10 minutes on, on you know, doing the uh, uh, transcribing. Oh, wow. Like, because you would talk so much that we would have to break it up. Like, you type this, and we would email it to each other, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but. Real quick. What's that? Derek Carr the same way. Derek, Derek Carr <laughs> is definitely the same way. And we uh, are very thankful for that. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Derek Carr, and that he gets it and understands it. Um, and I think he's willing. I think I think it, I think I think there's something in it for him too. In those regards, you know, like there's there's uh, a little um, 
you know, and plus he's he's sort of wired that way. He's he's a preacher. If you ever go on YouTube and call up Derek Carr, um, you know, his his sermons, he's really good at that. I'm telling you right now, he is excellent. I was blown away when I've seen some of the uh, some of what he's done, some of the talks that he's had. So um, he's he's kind of wired that way. But going back to Sean McVay. There would always be that Wednesday, Thursday, where in the in the middle of a game week, where you could tell he was just dialed in to the game plan. And now you got to go talk to the press; it's part of your job. Um, but you can't expect all the glib, all the you know, because it's it's literally pulling him away from the coaching, the, the you know, practice field, going to meetings, and all that to now sit and talk to us about, hey, what what do you think about this, or what do you think about that? And so you you respect that. So it's not always going to be like that, but I think it's going to be more like that than not. Yeah, and like I said, just not so much blown away, but just pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And, and, I w- and I do want to see, as the season approaches more and as we get into actual game weeks, how much of that is going to, like you said, it's not going to be like how it was today right. all the time. But I'm going to be a little curious. How open is he going to be? Because I'm just waiting for the day. Hey, you know, you got New Orleans on the schedule. Not worried about him. Are you, okay, we're gonna we're, we might have to have a we might have to have a bet on that. I don't think he's ever gonna I, unless it's a, in no, a joking any, way. I don't think any coach is ever just gonna. You know what? I like our chances. <laughs> well, no. What I'm saying is this: Does does Josh McDaniels ever said is will he ever say it's on a Denver? Unless now. If no, he, it's if he's on trolling the us, if he's too on the nose. Okay, okay, okay. You're right. You're right. You know, you All right, whatever. Uh, it, it definitely not. We're on to New England, and that will happen. I mean, that that game is coming. Uh, okay, pick any opponent. Oh, we're on to New Orleans. Is he gonna throw? Is he gonna drop a Bill Belichick kind of response? I don't think he's gonna do it unless it's in a total joking manner. Yeah, maybe like to end the press conference because if he does it in a serious manner, it you know it's the um. You're taking the line from your former co-star. That like that's his line in the movie, not right. yours. Yes, exactly. I he, I think he's somebody that does have the ability to think pretty quickly on his feet. Because uh, remember, he came out to talk to us on draft night, and the Raiders obviously didn't have a first round pick, so he came out to talk about what the Raiders didn't do. You know, they were just sitting around and going through it and watching the draft like everybody else. And so he was getting up to leave, and somebody said, "So if you did have your first round pick, who would you take?" And took about one or two steps. Turns around, gets in front of the microphone, said, Devontae Adams. And so it was like, all right, that was, you know, not a bad answer right there on the spur of the moment. So it shows you that uh, that he's got, uh, you know, a sense of humor and can think quickly uh, on his feet. And what better attribute to have than being able to think <laughs> quickly on your feet uh, in, in, in football. So real quick, I know that um, cause you mentioned Devontae Adams, and I know that he was out there yes. for oh, the OTAs. Oh, yeah. But – were there any players? Because I know, like the big thing that Q was talking about is, hey, we were a little further away we than were. we were uh, last season out there on the no field. No doubt about it. But I know there wasn't a hundred percent full participation. But could you spot who wasn't there? Who was or wasn't there? Yeah, um, I did not see Kenyon Drake, and okay. I think that might have been. I forgot to ask uh, Josh about Maybe that. Maybe rehab could be. Yes, exactly. Uh, good news. Denzel Good was out there. Didn't wasn't a f- full participant. But he looks like to be on his way, um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, being ready to go, uh, hopefully by training camp. Uh, did not see Tyreek Gillespie. Now, the defense, there were times where they were really far away, but uh, I know me and uh, Tashawn were looking for him and we couldn't find him. So, Tyreek Gillespie, uh, not out there. That we saw. I'm not going to, I'll leave a little qualifier. 
uh, about that. I'll say a couple things. Number one, uh, the wide receivers. There's a there's Demarcus Robinson's bigger than I thought he was. Um, obviously, Devonte Adams is a, is, a, is a big dude. Mac Collins is a big dude. So th- it feels like they added some. Um, size and some physicality of the wide receiver room. Go ahead. I asked Adam Hill the exact same question. He because he uh, Jared Stidham. He was like, "Oh, he's a big guy." That's all I can tell you. And we I were said, talking about that. But yes. I said, um, "So who was the most physically impressive person? Right. Who was the one person out there? Maybe a couple that you looked at and be like, man, that dude's just yes.' And a couple. I got a couple. I remember like look. I'm just real quick at the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I remember like oh, being yeah. close to Cam Jordan, and it was like, man, we're not the same species. Right. Just me thinking it to myself. <laughs> you know who's like that? Joey Bosa. Go stand next to Joey. He's like a walking muscle for crying out loud. Like he is just, you're like, holy, what? There's not even an ounce, an ounce of fat on on all that. A couple of uh, observations. Um, but Midley, is that how you pronounce his first name? The Utah uh, tackle. Sinny, uh, hum- humongous human being. Thayer Munford. Is a big old dude. There were a lot. There's a lot of size on that offensive line right now. Um, I thought Brandon Parker did look. Uh, his body looked a little bit different for the better. Uh, so you know we'll see about that. So I did like the oh Jackson Barton um, uh, looked pretty uh, look look looked pretty good. But a physicality about the offensive line, a physicality about the wide receivers. Uh, I don't have. Any doubt that this is going to be a big, physical, tough football team, uh, especially when it's needed. And I was really uh, impressed. I know it was just a 10-minute red zone uh, drill, uh, but there was there was a point in time when it was just run, 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 and they were getting after it in the run game. And let's face it, the Raiders are going to have to be able to run the ball in that side of the field. They've had an issue being able to pick up yards on the ground, important yards on the ground, uh, on that side of the football field. And if they can develop an edge and a physicality about them there, it's just going to make that red zone efficiency that much better. Back out to the Realty One Group listener line. Fabian is on the line. How you doing, Fabian? Hey, Vinny. How are you? Hey, Damon. Doing good, man. That's our good <laughs> hey, friend uh, Fabian from the Rockstar Bar. Yeah. Hey, quick question. The uh, the lap that those guys had to run, was that self-policed or was that something Mc, uh, McDaniel did or did somebody lose a bet? No, uh, it was uh, definitely not a lost bet. Definitely not uh, Josh McDaniels. It was the players collectively policing themselves and said, we need to clean this up. We got to go run a lap. It was literally that. Nobody on the coaching staff ordered them to go run a lap. You know, like when you're in Little League football and you're messing up, what does the coach do? He makes you run a lap. You know, that's the penalty uh, because nobody wants to run, um, especially in that heat today. Uh, So there was a period of time where there were a couple of errors. Uh, Everyone wants to pin it on one guy or that guy. It was kind of a collective going on uh, for a little bit of a stretch. And and they just finally decided as an entire offense to go run a lap and to probably think about it and uh, uh, return to the uh, period and return to the drill um, and do better. And that's exactly what they did. So, you know, it's going to happen, Fabian, especially this time of year. But what I like about it is – they didn't just sweep it under the rug. They just didn't use the old excuse that it's going to happen. They just said, okay, yeah, it's going to happen, but we're going to do something about it when it does happen. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear, Vinny. Hey, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you, uh, see you when the season starts. Absolutely looking forward to it. Um, I tell this story all the time, all the time, and it comes from the late, great, wonderful Kobe Bryant. And it was at a stage of his career where he wasn't really practicing much anymore. I mean, it was enough just to get him to be physically able to go play the game. So what do you do in that case? 
uh, you have to curtail it sometimes in practice. There were times when he was just in the um, film room or in the sauna or getting the massage or whatever, just physically rehabilitating while the while the team was on practice. But don't ever think for a second that Kobe didn't have a monitor and wasn't watching practice wherever he was. And so one day, out of the blue, he shows up to practice. And the practice went way up in intensity. And afterwards, we asked him, why did you practice today? He goes, because I was getting tired of the bleep, 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 bleep that I was seeing out there. Uh, you know, when the when the cat's away, the mice will play. And I had to return to practice to tell everyone here that that's not the way we practice. So I had to come back and send that message. He was the ultimate policeman. Sometimes, you know, uh, there are teammates that said he was the, definitely the bad cop sometimes with like Derek Fisher being the good cop. And Derek would have to come up to you and say, well, what, what Kobe was trying to say was, you know, in the nice way. When he was mother effing you right there and all that kind of stuff. This is really what the point is. But he always came from a good place in his heart and only wanted the best. And so when you have your leader being the enforcer in terms of maintaining that line and not deviating from it, you're usually going to go good places. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Back out to the Realty One Group listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. Raider Dave, how are you? Well, you've been on point, uh, Benny. Or Benny, I, I've just been enjoying listening to it. Um, I was curious as to what you saw out there today, whether anybody was thrown to anybody or if it was just calisthenics and uh, individual drills. And then on Kaepernick, you know, I, if the Raiders can carry five for a little while, I could see Kaepernick getting a, a minimum contract and maybe even get – turned into a fifth round sixth round draft choice if another quarterback goes down elsewhere in the league uh you know throughout the preseason but i think mullins would be the guy that would be the odd one out because uh stidham obviously knows the offense yeah no no doubt about it i think that that uh gives jared a little bit of a leg up no doubt um in terms of the familiarity with the offense i think nick mullins you know has played a little bit more obviously he's been in the league a little bit longer uh than then Jarrett, so he has a little bit more uh, experience, has started, um, you know, plenty of games, 17 or so in his career. So that counts for something. Um, but it's 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 basically going to come down to what is it, what is it that you want from your backup quarterback? Um, I remember Les Snead, the Rams general manager, told me he kind of liked a guy that can come in there and just change it all up, like a backyard football game. Like if 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 our quarterback goes down, I'd kind of rather bring somebody in there that's just going to throw a complete curveball at everybody and you know throw it from his hip and just be a gunslinger, crazy guy out there that's trying to make plays to throw the entire defense off. So you have that kind of a, a of a thinking. You might want somebody that's just going to you know, uh, be the game manager type that uh, may not win you a game, but is certainly not going to lose you a game. And that's probably the more likely, and that's kind of the talent that you're looking at, uh, you know, at, at that at that point of your, of your roster. So it's going to come down to fit. Um, does his skill set fit what the Raiders are trying to do? Can he still pull it off? Does he still have it? Um, uh, but I, I, but I would say this, if the Raiders are going to go down that road, it probably behooves them to do it as quickly as possible, uh, because there's going to be some rust that, um, he needs to shake off. And I would want, if I was, you know, if I, if I felt like 
okay, yes, this is a viable option for the Raiders. Uh, I would try to do it as quickly as possible because I want him in there every second that he can possibly be in here this time of year because there's going to be a time in a couple of weeks where the players go their separate ways, and you're not going to get these guys back until training camp by rule. So you probably would like to have a Colin Kaepernick, especially a Colin Kaepernick, be living, breathing everything Raider football right now for as long as you can have him in that building to try to get him up to as much speed as possible before training camp opens up so that he'll have uh, the, 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 the best possible foundation to build a case for himself in training camp to be the backup quarterback. Um, and I know that's, they, that, that's also a question. Is there enough time to do that? You know, um, we, we, we're talking about Colin Kaepernick, and our mind immediately goes to the Super Bowl, him doing spectacular things for the 49ers. Um, he wasn't the greatest quarterback, but he was a, a darn good one. And that's where our mind goes because that's the only memory, the lasting memory, uh, the final look that we had of him. But we have to remember that was five and a half years ago. So we don't know <laughs> what he looks like right now physically. And let's be honest, a lot of his game was his physicality. He wasn't just a thrower, which he was a very good thrower, but he was an electrifying playmaker as well. Do the legs still have some electricity in him? Do they still have some juice in them? Because that's if, if you go down that road, that's who you want to be your backup quarterback. He needs to have all of those skills intact uh, to be able to get the best version of him. And does he still have it? And, and that's, that's a difficult question. And I don't know that you get that question answered on whatever workout happened yesterday in Henderson. It might have looked great, him throwing again. I don't know if they even brought other players out there to compete against him. So it's, it's, it's a question that's going to have to be asked. And um, I think that for it to really have a chance to work, and this is just me. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, a coach. I'm not a general manager or anything like that. But I, it just seems like common sense would dictate – Get him in here as 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 quickly as you can to try to get him up to speed as much as you can physically, mentally, all of that, in order for him to be able to put his best foot forward on on during training camp to show you that he's the best option uh, as the backup uh, quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, interesting talking to Josh McDaniels uh, today about Derek Carr, and the reason I say that is because. All throughout the offseason, at the various times that we talked to Josh McDaniels, whether it was in Indianapolis during the scouting combine or Florida uh, during the owners' meetings, um, you got a sense that he and Derek Carr were just continuing to chip away at getting to know each other. And it was always really conspicuous to me in a good way that Josh McDaniels kept referencing, look, um, the football thing is going to take care of itself. That's a little bit down the line. I want to get to know Derek Carr as a human being. I want to connect with him in that uh, on, on that level, build a relationship with him. The football part will take care of itself. And um, I believe that's happened, and I believe that that's you know, continuing to happen. But now, and my, I asked Josh McDaniels about this, uh, at this point now with OTAs and players being in the building and being able to have meetings and talk and communicate on a football level, they are getting to know each other from a football perspective. And one thing I'll always say about Derek Carr, and I've been around sports a long time, Derek Carr is smart as a whip when it comes to his craft, his game, offense, seeing the field, uh, play, all of that. He is smart as a whip, truly. And 
I know this from talking to other people in the NFL. So is Josh McDaniels. He's he's as good as it gets from an X's and O's and seeing things offensively. And so I was curious, like, and I still am, what's that relationship like when two football brainiacs kind of sit down and start talking football uh, and tap it into each other? And I asked Josh McDaniels about that uh, earlier today in Henderson. Great. Um, I really enjoy him uh, in every way. Um, he's a great human being, and uh, he's a really smart football player. Um, you know, and uh, you don't have to say it five times for him to get it. Um, you know, I just, you know, there's a natural uh, way he learns that is pretty easy for a coach, um, and he's a great leader, you know. So um, his teammates follow him. He's a competitive guy. He wants to do it the way you want it done, um, which I love that about him. He uh, he knows that I'll give him some gray, but he don't want the gray. He wants, hey, tell me exactly how you want it done. I'm going to try to do it that way. So um, just a great process. Um, really excited about the time I've got to spend with him so far and uh, looking forward to developing that relationship more and more as we go. A very coachable guy. Uh, like I said, sets the bar high here early, stays late, does everything you could ask of him. Here's what I'll say about Derek Carr. Name me the longest tenured quarterback ever under John Gruden. And I say that, not kiddingly, but John Gruden drove a hard bargain. He was extremely difficult on, or hard, on especially his quarterbacks. Derek Carr flicked all that off. Like, yeah, I, I could deal with it. All right. <laughs> what, is, that, is that all you got? Give me more, man. Come on. He never wavered, never, you know, chafed, never turned his back, never said, I got to get out of here, never ran away. And he got better for it, too. I give John Gruden a lot of credit for that. So he is as tough as they come in that regard because it's not always pretty with uh, John Gruden on your back. And I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see how far he and Josh McDaniels, who is a super sharp football coach, uh, along with a super sharp quarterback, uh, what they can cook up and come up with, um, because I think it's a powerful duo uh, that, uh, that that you're seeing here in Las Vegas and we'll see here in Las Vegas. I want to say thank you to the great Peter King for joining us in the huddle. Demon Cotton, thank you. Thank you all the callers and all the listeners. We'll be back at it tomorrow. I'm at the TI tomorrow, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Come join me 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.